We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years. And I got an email. I got an email today, Sam, by the way. I'm just, I'm just gonna start right into it. You spent the last four podcasts, one including Light Years Premium, two Light Year Premium and two normal podcasts, counting down the days. I swear they just, they listened to the pod. I swear the Warriors just listened to the pod. They knew. Send me an email that said 23-day countdown. I was like, that's what Sam's been bugging me with every day. So the I NBA mean, draft. I don't think people understand the level of influence you and I have here. <laughs> A lot of people refer to you and me as the real puppet masters behind the scenes. Uh, International. Is, is Andy Bob Myers? Is Andy Adam Silver? Is Andy Donald Trump? It's hard to say how much power he has. Didn't see the third one coming. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Directions. <laughs> um, yeah, we got to start in some, some difficult directions. 23 days, man. Are you, are you excited? I am now in the phase where I'm kind of ready to be let down because I'm so excited. It, you know, it like, still like doesn't I'm scared. Feel, 
it still doesn't feel real to me just because um, we're, we're finally last week, we started getting the draft leaks, you know, uh, friend of the show, Ethan Strauss wrote about the Warriors <laughs> working out Denny Azia. And then um, friend of the show, Marcus Thompson wrote about the Warriors working out Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman. And um, the leaks are starting to, you know, it's starting to feel like draft season, but it's still a little different because obviously with COVID everything's, still behind closed doors, you know, like we got, we got that little leak of the, uh, the Devin Vassell shot video, but it's not, it's not the same. It's not combine. Remember, Ooh. remember combine videos where everyone like geeks out on like measurements and like, Oh, I can't believe he's really six, six and a half without shoes. Actually, before, before we get into the Vassell video and Anthony Edwards height, because that's a new thing. We are, we just tested two minutes before the, uh, the show started today, YouTube live. Uh, we are going to be ready to go. As the draft starts, actually, we're doing a pregame that we're going to do. Uh, we're doing a pregame that's only going to be accessible to Light Years Premium listeners. Then we're going to do a live show. Then we're going to do a postgame Q&A. So, so we'll, put, we'll put up a graphic day. on the Twitter feeds in the next week to kind of give everyone the specifics. But uh, premium listeners get the hour-long pregame show. And then everyone can join when the draft starts. And we will live react to the Warriors trading the pick for Giannis and just, you know, and, and the then, people. and then trading the future pick for Embiid and everyone's going to be like, how do they have Giannis and Embiid and Steph and clay and Draymond and Wiggins. And then the tears will start flowing. <laughs> ben, Ben did order us a special producer. Ben, he's on, he, he did order us a case of champagne, uh, special delivery for that day. So we, we are now, but, but, but yeah, but jokes aside, we will be going live on YouTube draft night specifics will be posted in the next week. So mark it down. I know all warrior fans. I mean, they haven't played a game since March. And if we're being honest, they haven't played a real game in a year. No, I honestly, I don't even remember last season considering the season was so bad. Uh, Draymond Green making it somehow even worse. Yeah, I got the Draymond in slander before you did. But I honestly don't <laughs> feel like I've watched him since June, since Toronto. Um, so, so yeah, dude, we, like got, we, got saying, that one, we got that one Steph game against Toronto. Might as well be open gym run. Uh, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm a little nervous now because, because honestly, we actually don't, we don't have any idea what the Warriors want to do. Uh, I think uh, friend of the do we say friend of the show Kevin O'Connor? I know Ben has a uh, has a ringer hoodie on. So is is he friend of the show, Sam? Yeah, yeah, friend everyone, of the show. Everyone he, wants to be a friend of the show. <laughs> he was on the he was on a podcast saying right like he was saying that that the, he has no idea what the Warriors are going to do because they're throwing out so many smoke screens. And usually, I would say usually the last couple of years we have an inkling of who they want. Usually Th- this year it really doesn't seem like. Like they could draft Sadiq Bay after a trade down a six, and I just all right. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd be happy. Isaac Okoro maybe at six. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Right? Like you have no idea what they're gonna do. It's insane. I will give the Warriors credit for this. They've leaked so much in so many different directions. I don't know a single person who has a real definitive grasp on what they want to do. Like. They're like, all, all we know is they really just want to get a player and like, okay, that doesn't tell us anything. Like, oh, they want to get a player who can contribute, like shocking, you know, <laughs> but like, there's no, um, you talk to some people and they're like, they would never take a big at the top of the draft. You talk to other people and they're like, Wiseman stand out outlier physical measurements. He's the guy. And 
honestly, considering the fact that this is such a unknown draft and it's an unknown for a variety of reasons, but COVID is definitely a big one of them, right? Like, I mean, Wiseman was always going to be hard to scout, but like even Anthony Edwards, we didn't get to see him play in the tournament. Um, we haven't seen him play in any like summer leagues or anything like might that. Be like six at three, everything you hear about him is kind of off hearsay of people who've seen him work out. How much do you value that? You know, we know he couldn't hit a shot in twenty five games at Georgia, but what does that really mean? You know? Yeah, and and then uh, where, where were we at? We were at Devin Vassell. Came out the other day. Apparently, there was an interview uh, from his trainer that said that the shot that he threw up, the little catapult shot that he, that he right. threw up, wasn't, wasn't actually his real shot. So rest assured, if you're a Devin Vassell stand, which there are a lot of our listeners. There are dozens. There are, there are dozens of us. Yeah, it looks, <laughs> looks, like, looks, like, looks like that you'll be fine. And then, and then Anthony Edwards, I think the big thing with him is I think he has a 6'8", 6'9", wingspan, but he's also – he could be 6'3", or he could be 6'5 and a half. I don't know. Oh, he's totally um, – I mean, this happens every draft. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's guys like Wiseman who no one's questioning how big they are. And then there's Huge everyone arms. in between who, you know, everyone's listed at 6'5 to 6'7, and some guys are exaggerating and some guys are not. And that's always kind of the fun part of the draft. Like, do you remember Michael Beasley? Mm. You know what Michael Beasley's college list was? 610. Everyone thought he was going to be like this massive power forward. Then he gets measured. He's 6'7. And uh, he could have been Durant. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like I don't know how much it really matters. I mean, every player is different. We Draymond Green 6'5, and he's yeah, amazing. He's been amazing. And then there's guys who are bigger who just like it doesn't matter that you're 6'9, you're still not that good. But it, it is kind of the fun of draft season to see all the combine stuff and we don't get to see it this year it's not public record not public record yeah we'll, we'll see something i think i think there's a there's a new i think the warriors are, are doing a new smoke screen this week where they're trying to play off the trades i think they're, they're trying to level set the expectations a little bit because i think warriors fan do kind of expect the warriors to make that trade and make that trade for a superstar Right. Whether it, whether you know Embiid or not even Giannis, right? But someone in, in, below that tier, but still really good. And I think the Warriors are trying to set the expectation that that's not going to happen, and most likely that that that's not going to happen. And yeah, I don't know how to read it. You hear some like Tom Haberstrow mentioned that he thought there would be more moves on draft night than normal because everyone's been kind of cooped up and there's a lot of time to talk like all these GMs are talking to each other this whole period. Right. So he, he thinks there will be more moves on draft night than normal, but then you talk to other people and they think the opposite. They think everyone's kind of doesn't know what's going to happen next year. And they kind of, you know, cards to the chest and maybe that leads to poker where no one makes a big move. Yeah. uh, Winners did say that, that, or somebody did say that there are players that have already signed with teams or at least have already agreed to terms with teams, despite not knowing what the salary cap is going to be uh, because we have no oh, idea. Know. It's supposed to go down. Yeah, it's supposed to go down, but we don't. So uh, yeah, let's, let's back up to that because yep. that's the big news items right now. So first we have pretty solid reporting that the season will open December 22nd. Um, the players haven't ratified that, so it's always subject to change. But it seems like the league is dead set on starting for Christmas and getting in 
72 games. Andy, your Can, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think first, I, I, th- I think the reaction is is a little bit different from the first time the war uh, the the NBA tried to play the bubble because I think that was kind of at the peak of COVID. Although there is a right. third spike or fourth or fifth spike coming, but I think I think the NBA knows that. Look, America's not it, it, COVID's just going to keep going here. We we've done nothing to fix it, <clears throat> at least in the next like five months, right? So you're really just going to have to push through, at least from a sports perspective. Because if they want to wait until they can get people in the in the in the gym in the stadium, that's not going to happen until like next December. So I think that's the right decision, maybe, Sam. I maybe, think that's all maybe the summer. Right. Summer, you'd be lucky if it's the summer. But yeah, you're right. right. Like this this hope that if we push the season back one month. It's the va- yeah. like the vaccine's not going to solve it. Like it, starting the season in mid January isn't going to make a tangible no. difference on fans or March, right? Like the, right. the 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 timeline to solve this thing passed like months ago. Like it, this isn't Taiwan, this isn't Italy, this isn't be places that actually shut down and and, and quote unquote solved it. Italy is actually we spiking and protesting right they're, now, but just you know. they're back. Right, so there's really it might, there's really not much they can do. So I think you just kind of have to go through it, like the NFL has, and the NFL, like they've also, by the way, the NFL has a ton of positive tests, but they're all false positives, which shouts the NBA who didn't have any false positive tests, at least from what we know of. So, yeah, I mean, like that's that's just. I was I'm I'm, I'm actually shocked at how many false positives. Like I didn't even know false no positives sense. were a thing until right. uh, like at this scale. Until the NFL, everyone started having him. <laughs> Even the MLB. So I guess Adam Silver's got this like elite biotech firm that he's working with that just has like the best COVID test known to man. But, you know, I, I think you got to do it. I, I think um, it makes sense. I think you tweeted, Sam, uh, this week that you don't want the playoffs to go through August because nobody's watching it. Nobody, nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, I, I mean, it's – I always think it's funny when like – the NBA asks a question that's clearly a bad idea and then Twitter (laughs) cheerleads it because like, you know, diehard fans think it's probably cool to have basketball in August, but normal people are like, uh, uh, you know, I I'm planning to take a trip. Then Uh, I got to deal with the kids. I got to, you know, people aren't rearranging their summer barbecue because it's Nuggets Lakers game four. Like, that's all I'm saying. It's not a thing. You know, maybe if it's Steph, they would. But, you know, LeBron, he doesn't have that kind of pull. So the, uh, the also December start time, the Christmas Day start time is something that we've always wanted. Like October, November of the regular season is always a little bit boring to the right to most people. And, and then you got 72 games. We've asked for less games, 72 instead of 82. Like it, to me, and, it's almost. It's, I think one thing that's interesting here, 72 clears the national TV contract. So I think no matter what the NBA says, they were more freaked out by the ratings decline and the lack of interest than they're willing to let on. And I do think that's a factor in this too. I think if they felt like they were in a strong negotiation hold, they probably would have tried to push this down the road. Mm -hmm. But I don't think consumers were into their, you know, fall playoffs. And I don't think, that they thought they would be they're in a good negotiation standpoint for their next TV deal. So now they're like, we need to do this. Who cares if fans are there? Like it, it's about mitigating losses because yeah. to me, they aggressive. Like Adam Silver said before the NBA finals, he would be surprised if they played games before January. And then immediately this comes out to me that 
that's that sounds like someone who saw the end of the year numbers. You're a sales guy. We're both sales guys. You see the end of the year numbers and you're like, oh, going to have to uh, go a little harder next quarter because that's not going to cut it. That's yeah, how it read yeah. to me. That's, that's the way I took it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's no, a bad I thing. Don't either. The, the interesting thing is, well, actually, it's not going to be a bubble. I think we can both agree on that, right? They can't run a bubble for 72, for 72 regular season games. I mean, I, I think guys are going insane in like 10 regular season games. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. But I think it's worked relatively well for the MLB and the NFL. Like, I, I think that's just a kind of a risk that you have to date. But overall, it's not really that. I mean, these guys are adults, man. I, I think I think it's gonna be fine. You like I, like you said, you cannot push this thing because you're not gonna get eight like you're not even gonna get fifty percent of fans into arenas by March. It just no it's not gonna happen. So so you go particularly through. through the winter months and particularly indoors. Like we're seeing the MLB and NFL in certain cities get twenty percent max. And that's outdoor and good weather. Do you think any jurisdiction particularly where NBA teams are is going to allow fans in an enclosed arena. Like it's not happening. It's not happening without a vaccine. The other pushback I'll have is I think, I think there were some comments about, Hey, these guys are playing too fast coming back from the season that just ended. We know how the regular season is, man. Like the first 30 games, nobody's really playing that hard. Like that's been the case for years, unless you're like the 15, 16 golden state warriors that were trying to win 73. Right? Like, Nobody's playing hard, so it's really going to be a glorified preseason from December through, like, February anyway. So I, I'm excited. Like, to me, I'm excited. That, that's, that's what I am. I'm excited for the NBA to be back uh, at a time where I think it's peak NBA season from December right to June. So Yeah, I mean, as soon as football kind of dies down a little bit, it's like there's nothing on TV Monday through Friday period like the nba can own that like okay maybe you don't want to put up nba games on sunday against playoff football but that's one day a week i mean you get kent Bazemore and devin vassell on your tv screen sam every single night 7 30 p.m like can i can ask for anything more i'm ready let's get this thing going yeah dude i'm about to turn off my phone not hanging out with people <laughs> at all I gotta watch those jordan pull back screens um <laughs> This does help the Warriors, though, right? Like uh, back to the war. This does help. This does help them because I think they are the most rested team. They, they probably are the team at, in terms of contenders that's going to be the most rested and ready to go. Yeah, and if you believe Steph, Clay, Draymond are uh, itching to prove that this year was a fluke, I think you would you'll feel pretty good about how they look next year, even if they don't like round out the roster with the perfect group. You know, they they should be in good position to to kind of uh, hit the ground running. And, you know, especially like most playoff teams would be a little tired. Like, do you think the Lakers are going to come out aggressive at the beginning? Probably not. No title team does. Especially not LeBron. You know, he's co- like, you know, he's coasting. But I mean, it, it's, you know, to be like, to be fair, that's that's what they should be doing. And I think that's what makes the Warriors more fun this season is because we've we just watched three years, three seasons, even in Katie's first season of the Warriors kind of, I mean, honestly kind of dicking off for 82 games. Like right. they just, it just didn't care and they didn't need to care. They were really going through the motions or going through like the growing pains and not really any panic. I think if you see the Warriors go five and six in the first 11 games, I think the 
panic makes it fun. Like you don't want the Warriors to be bad, but I think that's the, like the regular season pressure that makes that makes people care more. That makes people want to watch basketball. Like I, I think the Warriors are going to have much more of that versus any other team because they're not you know, they're not going to be like the Clippers who you know struggle and still don't care despite not winning a championship. I think that's that's what's going to make the Warriors the Warriors this season. Is they're going to be back to that level of pressure? I think <laughs> Draymond's three still has it. Hope so. Um, so the last news item before we get to questions here. Um, so Keith Smith tweeted multiple teams are asking the NBA for clarity on off season dates because of how tight windows are teams would like some direction on dates beyond just the November 18th draft. There are some rumors circulating that some free agents have already reached agreements for next season. Piggybacking onto that Windhorse said, I have already heard of a deal that has been agreed to. Who knows whether it's true or not? And then Bobby Marks, the third one to piggyback on that. I had one agent because I was talking about his free agent salary projections, right? And he said, hey, you're really low. I've had two offers from two different teams. All of this points to the fact that free agency may not have opened, but they're alluding to the fact that players are already testing the market and figuring out what their market is. Are yeah. they, are, are all three of them talking about Bob Myers? <laughs> if there's one team that has to have had deals done already, it's probably the Warriors. The Warriors also have talked, I think to every team in the NBA, the China league, the Euro league, every single league in Kirk Lake have asked Andy to come try out. <laughs> Literally. I think the Warriors have talked to every single basketball league in the world. Uh, about signing players or trading players. Australia League, you know, I think China has a league. You know, it's not good, but maybe they asked them. You know, they got Smiley somewhere. We're getting, so getting, Mar- right we're getting Marbury over to the Bay. <laughs> yeah. And you, uh, Jeremy Lin I saw that report come out uh, that, that, the Warrior, that he's, the Warriors are interested in him, which I think is pretty funny. I don't think that relationship ended well. But yeah. Hey, coming I mean, home, makes- can, we, can we get the official team account to tweet a video of Jeremy Lin with P. P- Diddy? I'm coming home. Was it Palo Alto? Is that where he went? I think. I think. Yes. Yeah. I know he was South Bay. Um, yeah, I think. But but I also think these are probably guys that were um, probably vet men guys, right? Like they were probably weren't guys that were that are getting the biggest contracts. Although with the salary cap going down, I don't think anybody's going to get a huge contract. I'm more interested, Sam, if there are trades that are already been uh, agreed upon, right? Like have the Warriors agreed with the Knicks on a trade? Maybe that they get back, you know, Mitchell Robinson and the eighth pick and a future first for the second pick. Like, has that trade already been agreed upon, depending on what happens here in the next couple of weeks? Like, I, I'm interested in that because I, I, I agree. I think, like, guys like Ken Bazemore have been signed, right, or whatever, like the, these maybe vet men guys. But uh, the trades are going to be what's interesting, uh, especially if you're a Warriors fan. Yeah, and actually, honestly, I've had to guess. I would say the Warriors are probably not one of these teams who's agreed to a deal. Um, mostly because they lack financial flexibility. Like they have a taxpayer mid-level, um, but they don't have like cap space to be like, you know, Gallinari, we'll give you 15, right? Like they're not that team. So I'm I'm wondering, I feel like these agreed upon deals are probably more like a Toronto or like a, um, an Atlanta or someone with a little more cap flexibility than the Warriors. Yeah, it's going to be like everybody always goes crazy on Twitter. Woj reports like 
Terrence Ross has signed a two-year, two million dollar dude. I was like, oh, it's already agreed <laughs> upon. It's like, all right, man, nobody gives a shit. Although if Terrence Ross is on the Warriors, it'd be fun. But uh, let's get to the questions. Let, let, let's let's get to the. Is it, is it question time? Is it question? Yeah, time? there's there's also like a million questions. Right, shout shout out to the listeners. They really, you know, during COVID, the people work from home, and all they want to do is listen to us talk about. I see one about you know Jordan Poole here. That's really all they want to hear about. So let's get to it. The light years listeners are the best. No, they're around it. I appreciate all of you. Okay. I want to start on this one. This one's interesting to me from um, Garvar uh, Alakash. And I apologize if I got that wrong, spelling wise or pronunciation wise. Uh, why are the Warrior fans so down on Wiggins? Sure, his contract isn't ideal, but he's got legit scoring abilities and he's young enough to get better. Oladipo broke through at the same age for reference. Don't you believe he's better than the likes of Tobias Harris, Gordon Hayward, etc.? Um, I think from a, I think if you're kind of a, a, a most fans, most Warriors fans, most people that just watch basketball casually, you think of people kind of in a vacuum of what they can do. Like you even look at the names right there, Tobias Harris and Gordon Hayward. Those guys have like a decent dribble, have good playmaking ability, have like a, a good one-on-one playmaking style, which I don't think Andrew Wiggins has. We saw that with him as the number one, number two playmaker. So I think the first thing you think about is our right, Andrew Wiggins isn't as good. But I think if I asked you, Sam, would you rather have Tobias Harris or Andrew Wiggins as the number three option or the fourth best player on a basketball team? I think you may like Andrew Wiggins. So I think people just look at it from – it's like it's like people looking at Stephen, Stephen Kyrie. Right, like people are like, oh, Kyrie has all these like one-on-one isolation skills. Yeah, what can what can Kyrie do that Steph can't? Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that's what people look at it from a Wiggins perspective. But I agree. If you take a little bit of a step back and think Andrew Wiggins is probably a better fit than someone like Tobias Harris. Andrew Wiggins is incredibly overpaid, but if you just look at that vacuum of how he fits as a cutter, as a defender, um, as someone that you know. it fits in that system. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that, but I think that's just how people look at things. That's why people think Steph and Damon are the same. Yeah, and I think there's a secondary aspect to this. It's not that you and I aren't intrigued to see what they can bring out of Wiggins. It's that for the Warriors to make a big move, they have to move one of their four large contracts. And he's just the most likely one. Like they're not trading Steph. They're not trading Clay unless you get back like a top five player. Um, I don't think anyone wants Draymond at this point. So Wiggins is kind of always the obvious salary filler piece. Like, so it's not that I like, I'm actually very curious to see what Wiggins looks like on the Warriors next year. Like I do think next to Stephen Clay, you can see whatever the optimized version of Wiggins is. And like on defense with Draymond um, kind of, on him about being a better defender. You could probably see the same thing. Like there's a lot of reasons to be kind of curious about like how good he can be for the Warriors, not even as a star, just as like an impact, like a positive winning player. Um, But we also know the Warriors want to acquire more talent. They want to get some big name players and, just the way the cap works, there's really no way to get there without trading one of their big contracts. And Wiggins is probably the most likely one. Yeah. And, and that's only as a contract value point. Like nobody wants Andrew Wiggins at that number. Right. If they want him, it's only the fit, the number. 
and then the other assets that you get from the Warriors, which would then be the number two pick in next year's Minnesota picks. So um, I think I think overall, Andrew Wiggins will probably be fine. I don't think anyone's looking at a Victor Oladipo breakout, but but yeah, he's not. Also, he's taking the place of KD, right? Like that's not not it's unfair, right? Right, which <laughs> it's is just, just it's like it's just, thing. even Harry B. Like at the highest level of wanting to win a championship, Harrison Barnes wasn't good enough in that one series and and it's not really his fault because it's like dude he's harrison barnes like did you really expect him to be better than than he was i don't you know i don't like him to hit a couple more jumpers but yeah Yeah. point stands we we won't forget that all right next (laughs) next um actually we just this is interesting as we're recording monday night Uh oh we get a another warrior report summon the dubs front office sees lamello ball as super talented Whoa! Is this a smokescreen? Wait, where did this come from? Who who tweeted that or who reported that? This one. Why, why you look it up? Why you look it up? I am interested in always who reports it because everyone has different sources, and I think the one of the things with the Warriors front office today is that whenever someone reports something, you kind of know who they're talking to, right? Like Mike Dunleavy is obviously talking to Connor Connor Letourneau. Steve Kerr is talking to Ethan Strauss. Looks like Marcus Thompson is who reported this. Who is he talking to? Uh, is it Kirk Lake? Oh, probably not. Is it, is it Bob Myers? Maybe. So I think it uh, was Marcus. It was Marcus wrote on Friday. A couple people in the organization consider the six, seven guard, super talented. And it kind of got lost in the weeds because there was a throwaway line, but I'm going to ask you, <laughs> do you think they would take Lamella? Uh, I joke that Steve Kerr would, would quit on the Warriors if they drafted LaMelo Ball. I think I think probably the scouts that are probably looking at just talent, right, just looking right. at best player available, probably actually believe that LaMelo Ball is, is the best guy in this draft. Because if you look at Minnesota... He'll be the best player in five years. Yep. You look at Toronto, or you look at some of these teams that... that or maybe just want to draft from a best player available standpoint. They right. love Lamelo. I don't think that's the Warriors. Whether you think that's right or not, though, Sam, like whether you think that they should just be drafting BPA or not, I think the Warriors just wouldn't do it just just because it just be such such bad of a, a schematic fit where you really going to tell Steve Kerr that he's going to have to coach Lamelo here for the next five years? You going to tell him that? A pick and roll guard who doesn't have any clue how to play defense at this point and is just. I mean, he's just a raw prospect. There's no other way to put it. Like he, he's interesting. He can certainly do certain things out of the pick and roll that are very advanced for a guy of his age. But he shot 37 percent from the field. <clears throat> My lord! I think 25 percent from three. My lord! And um, you know, there's there's just a lot of work to be done there. He's definitely a long term project, and I don't know that they want a long term project. No. No, I, I think like they're okay with a long term project. Like, I think James Wiseman, where he's long term, but at least he provides like probably what Marquise Chris provides right now, which, right, right. You know, he can, which he will, can do a little bit now, and long term, right. he can maybe do a lot more. LaMelo is doing nothing now, and maybe something a lot more, at least in my opinion. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. MT. Huh. All right. Um, next question. So that was probably Bob Myers. <laughs> How bad is the rotation going to be when the TPE expires? I haven't heard anyone say when the TPE expires. Uh, I want to spin this back you, on you. 
Do because, you think they will spend the TPE? Yeah, I mean, because there's was, a second. There's actually, let me read this just so. Okay. okay. There's a second question here. Given Lacob said they won't use the TPE except for a special scenario, what are the likelihoods it gets used? Does special only mean in the event of a trade like Giannis, Embiid, Simmons, et cetera? Or we think it's something slightly smaller. I think I've said this a few times. If it's Kelly Oubre for that amount, actually, I think Haberstroh wrote about this the other day. I think if it's Haber, uh, if it's Kelly Oubre for that, I don't think they do it. I think that's that's the marker. I think they don't do it because that's too much money for a player that I don't even know if he's going to help. <laughs> if you can't get minutes on the Suns, I, I just he's basically phased out of their future plans. Like he's done. So well, I, he was injured, but it says a lot that they lost nothing. They actually got better without him. So. <laughs> Shouts to Michael Bridges. Um, I do think they use it at the end of the day. I think they use it because I, do you understand how bad the optics are going to look if they don't use the trade exception of which they traded a future pick to get off of Andre Godot? Like, can you imagine? Like, and, yeah, and, and I don't think ch- this gets bringed up enough. So they are brought up enough. They, um, they dumped Godala to make the D'Lo trade. And in the process of it, they had to give up a first-round pick. I thought it made sense because D'Lo's 23 and Andre's 36, right? Like, even though I don't think D'Lo will ever be as good as Andre. Um, right. You know, bridge year, they need something to kind of get them there. And they did turn D'Lo into Wiggins in a, a really good pick. So... From that standpoint, it makes sense. But the other part of it was to have the TPE, which was like, okay, so next year is going to be rough. But when we can, we have this tool to add another contract. So if you were looking at holistically, you could be like, all right, they have to suck for a year, but then they have this opportunity to bring in talent that they wouldn't have had an opportunity to bring in if they just stood pat when Katie left. We need to mention this again because – the cap going down and the league losing money, meaning the Warriors actually have probably lost the most money and have the most to get. Like, they're going to pay the most. And I don't know if that matters because the Warriors have a rare ability to spend more than anyone else if they want. And I think that's an opportunity that, that, that they long-term have to take versus they have to make money, Sam. In order to make money, they need to be good. It's it's not that simple, but it's kind of like in order for them to make more money and have people in the season, have people care, they need to be good, right? And for that right. to happen, you need to use this thing. So I think saving money in the short term hurts them in the long term. Um, and I, I I think Joe Lycombe knows that. I think they're I think they're using this thing. I just don't know if they're using it for someone like Kelly Oubre. So you think they're just smoke screening this to kind of curb fan expectation a little bit and kind of not make themselves look as desperate to spend so other teams don't be like, oh, you can have Kelly Oubre, but you have to give us a pick too. Yeah, yeah God, can you imagine? Don't even say that. Don't even say that. But but Kirk Lakob, yeah, can we trust Kirk Lakob to run a Kirk – Kirk Lakob is busy DMing Sam for advice. Stop. On how, how to Stop. Run front like, what are, we, what are we doing here? Oh, all right, before we next, get to the next question, what Kirk Lakob is going to do next, let me do some reads. Football is back in full swing. My Niners are back. We are four and three. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
from uh, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening uh, or their season bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You can bet. Uh, you can head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep going. Uh, you have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You're on, you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With, se- uh, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most, high, uh, most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out, free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through the end of the year, December 31st. Nice. All right. One one more. We got another question here. From Archivos de Balancesto at V-Ball Archives. Should the Warriors just take the best prospect available and not worry about fit? Drafting for need would mean they mangled the team's other offseason options. Drafting for need is what made Phoenix and Sack pass on the best prospect in the draft, Luka Doncic, a few years ago. Wow. That's actually a great point. Yeah, it's a great question. And this is something I've been going on forever. So there's a lot of people who tell me, how could the Warriors pass on Wiseman? He's seven one, seven six wingspan, athleticism through the roof. And my response to that is always, sounds like Hassan Whiteside. I don't know. Like, here's my thing. Wiseman could be the best prospect or he could not. What matters is they get the best player, period. And if it's another wing, if it's Anthony Edwards, who's a 6'4", we're going to call him 6'4", because some people think he's 6'3", some people think he's 6'5", so we're saying 6'4". Right down the middle. Um, Ultimately, the best player is what matters. Your worst case scenario is you have too many good players at the same position. You have to trade from a position of strength of having too many good players. That's much better than reaching on a big like Patrick O'Brien or like Diagu. <laughs> Come on. And I don't think Wiseman will be those guys, but I'm just saying drafting for fit never works. Yeah, it never, it never works. Also, the I think there's probably two things you can – gather out of that question number one is the warriors front office similar to the Suns and the and the kings i hope not but you know we've been questioning <laughs> we've been questioning that for the last year though right we've been questioning just how good the warriors front office is and i, I think it's a fair question right now uh, number two is there's no luka Doncic, so you don't got to worry about that they're not passing on luka Doncic. there's no even if Lamelo ball turns out to be luka Doncic or anthony edwards turns out to be luka Doncic you can't fault to warriors for passing on either one of them because those guys were not supposed to be anything close to Luka Doncic. So I think whoever they end up taking, I don't think, I don't think they're passing on someone that's a surefire star. So I think they have that going for them. 
Like, I think there's, there's at least that, but you can definitely question how they evaluate the players. And if they draft Wiseman over Edwards, because they just wanted a big, because Steve Kerr wants a big, and we know Steve Kerr wants a big, then yeah, maybe that's a problem. But um, they also are going the other way, Sam, where I think that they may draft someone high because they feel like they need a wing. Like they may draft any FDA too high because they feel like they need a wing versus someone and and he can play now versus someone like maybe Patrick Williams who has more upside. Like I think that's right, right. definitely realistic. I think that's absolutely realistic. And so that's kind of why it's uh it's a tough position here because it's you know last year the number two pick would have it was John Morant. Ooh. The Warriors don't need John Morant because they're they're set at point guard for, for now anyway. Um but he was objectively the second best player. Mm. It was a little easier. Um, two years ago, at number two, they could have had Luca, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, or Trey Young. Um, only one of those would have been disappointing. But like you know, you could still look at it like if they got Jaron Jackson, I'd be pretty pretty thrilled. Right? Let me ask you this: Would you rather have Jaron Jackson or Trey Young? How about how about as a Warriors person, and then overall? As a Warriors person, I take Jaron Jackson because I think he's going to be – I think he's excellent. I think he's, he's already piece. really good, and yeah. he's going to be great. Overall, I'd probably take Trey. Yeah. Wow. Trey is – even though he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of his ability to do anything without the ball in his hands, he's too good, you know? Like, it, it, he did average 20, what, 29 and 7 or something like that, so – Efficient. There is there is a lot of upside there. There is a lot. Of, I do love Jaron Jackson. Now, the annoying thing about Trey is because you know he can do more winning things, and he's kind of more obsessed with just playing with the ball. Like that, it's a little annoying. But classic, um, classic love of the fame. But yes. But um, but yeah, we're talking about two really good players. Like okay, if Anthony Edwards turns out to be Oladipo, something like that, but. Wiseman turns into Jaron Jackson. I would be very thrilled with Wiseman. You know what I'm saying? Because like, it's close enough that taking fit matters. Your worry is Anthony Edwards turns out to be the next coming of Dwayne Wade, and you took a guy who's like a little bit better than White than like Whiteside. That's that's the fear, and I'm not saying any of those things are true. I'm just saying. It's really hard to project them at this point, given how little we've seen any of them play, and when they did play, how raw they all looked. Like it's just no other way to put it. Like this isn't a situation where no one needed to see more than five games from Zion to know he was a star, right? No one needed to see more than five college games of Anthony Davis to know he was a star. I don't think that that that's true of Wiseman or Anthony Edwards. All right. Uh, actually, there's a there's a little bit of an interesting one here from at underscore dev dude. Is there any way the Warriors could trade for Ingram or Holiday? Sam sources. What have they heard about Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram from the New Orleans Pelicans? See the smile on your face. I, I don't think they're going to trade for Drew Holiday. I love Drew, but like I don't think that's someone the Warriors would trade for because part of his value is playing point guard, and they have staff. Um, I just don't think it's positional. Like. Let me back this up. I think it'll cost a lot to get Drew Holiday. There you go. Yeah, I agree. And for what the Warriors have to give up, he's not the right player, even if he would help them be better next year. 
I agree. Like we had talked about on premium with, with Bradley Beal. I would rather have Bradley Beal. He's worth making it work. Um, Drew's just not that level of player in my opinion. Yep. You're giving up. You're pretty much giving up all the assets that, that you have for someone that's, you know, as good as, as fun as really, Drew. he's really good. Yeah. He's just, he's just not a, he's six two. Yeah. <laughs> like Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Okay. So then the Ingram thing's interesting because he's a restricted free agent. So I don't think they can trade for Ingram because any trade for Ingram would hard cap them. And it's, I mean, you saw how hard it was to build a roster of the hard cap last year. It's going to be even worse next year. A hard cap with Steph, Clay, and Draymond making more money means it would basically be Steph, Clay, Draymond, Ingram, and all vet minimums. It'd be just like Willie Cauley-Stein, Glenn Robinson III, Bazemore, Alec Burks, like those type of signings. I don't think – I just don't think they'll do that. That's, it makes it too hard to build. Yeah, I think I think I think that's true. The the, the whispers are the whispers are um, maybe that they don't want to pay him, but I don't think the Warriors are in a position to make that trade if that's it's too. That if he was on if he was under contract and they didn't have to hard cap, then I then I'd talk about it. But I think the hard cap it would only be worth it if you're talking about like Luca or someone like that, where you're like, okay, you're gonna suck it up for one year with the hard cap, but you just got this dude, right? Yep. Yep. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick these next two, Sam, and then you can pick them because I I, I like this is my this is for me. Vital five uh, ten and and Kosung Ju sixteen. Oh, a Korean person. Basically, they ask about Jeremy Lin and how likely it is and whether it's a good fit or not. Uh, yeah, you saw the report. I mentioned it earlier that the Warriors are interested in Jeremy Lin before Jeremy Lin left. I all right, obviously I love Jeremy Lin. I think he's also a great fit as an off the bench guy who's a little bit of a bigger guard. Also saw that he fixed his shot. Don't know how real that is. But he was always a solid NBA player outside of like the fanfare stuff because he's like a Chinese or he's to, uh, Taiwanese American guy. So he's it's kind of fun. But other than that, he was actually a, a very oh, he's good. He's legitimately good. Legitimately good. And if you're talking about I know Baltez Hoops asked about DJ Augustine. If you're asking me, would I rather have someone like DJ Augustine or Jeremy Lin? I think you probably take Jeremy Lin. I think that would be he has a little bit more juice off the bounce. I think he a little bit. I think he's also more likely to play in a playoff series competitively, like with less issues. Like TJ Augustine's five ten. Yeah, he's Quinn Cook. Well, he's better than Quinn Cook. He's a lot better, but yes. But he can't. (laughs) Right, he can't. Right, it's a sieve, like unreal. Yeah, I mean, for me, the only question with Jeremy is: is he healthy? Because the reason he is out of the league is not ability; it's availability. Like. He just, if he can stay healthy, he's borderline starting caliber. Like, he's probably better as a sixth man than a starter, but like, he's good enough to do both. And I don't know where he's at physically. Maybe he might be one of those guys who the whole COVID layoff was a blessing in disguise because he needed all that time to get his body right. But like, those are the kind of guys the Warriors probably should be looking at because. Let's assume that they they nail the mid level, and they make a good TPE move. They still uh, will need to sign, okay, a handful of guys on veteran minimums. And like Jeremy Lin has proven, he's a better player than most players you can ever get on a veteran minimum. I think that you make a good point there because the Warriors need to nail the uh, the the eight to eleven 
guys. They, they, they need they, to at least find a couple guys. Yeah. Because, you know, we're operating on the assumption here that Giannis isn't happening, Embiid isn't happening, Ben Simmons isn't happening. So if those guys aren't happening, you're operating with a team, let's just say the core four, hashtag the core four, which is good. Culture. Culture four. You know, like, they're, they're good enough, I think. Um, so it's a, it's playing, a good starting point, for sure. They play six, Let's say they play unlikely, but let's say those guys play 65 games and they're able to play 34 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game. Like, right. I think you're getting the three seed, right? Maybe even the two seed, maybe even the one seed. I don't know, but you're good enough. and You're in that top half of the West, but that only assumes if you don't have, which what the Warriors had during the KD era is really a, the last year or two, a non-existent bench. They really, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. They really need to build out more of a strength in numbers uh, <laughs> from that perspective because you don't, nobody wants to have to play 39 minutes next season. Look, if he does and, he play, and he's healthy for some reason, then they're winning, you know, 55, 58 games. But no, none of, like, we're going to be pretty concerned if Steph has to play 38 minutes, right? Even if they but win. But you, you are right. So let's just say, let's, let's, let's pull this back. You have the core four. You, you also have Looney who he's healthy now, but he hasn't shown the ability to play more than 15 to 20 minutes a night if you're lucky, right? And then you have Pascal. That's still only six guys. And forgetting positional fit because they need another big and a bunch of stuff. Like they need four guys on top of those guys to be rotation pieces. Let's assume the two picks, one of them. They still got to find two to three more guys who can play and at least one of them is going to have to come in the form of a veteran minimum. Yep. Um, who, you know, the rest of the league was worrying if he's healthy or if he's past it. They, they need at least one guy who can one to two guys on those vet minimum deals who exceed expectations. This is really where you need a, uh, you got, yeah, trust Bob Myers. Yeah, trust Bob Myers. You got to trust Kirk Lake up, and I, I think they have more tools than ever before, uh, at least in versus the next few seasons. And I think that, I think that with with the Demarcus Cousins signing, that's not something I, I actually th- don't think Sam that they actually wanted to use that. I don't know if they wanted to use that mid level exception, at least all of it. But when Demarcus came came calling, they said, "Well, that's that's an easy choice, even with the taxes that come associated with it." I think this season they're not going to get someone of that Demarcus Cousins caliber. I think they're just going to have to eat it and use that, even with someone that's kind of mediocre, like uh, like even if it's not like Milo. I'm talking about trade player exception for even someone like Rudy Gay, right? But like that's someone that they're just going to have to eat it and say, "Hey, we're just going to have to use this thing because it gets us a good player." Uh, versus before, if you have KD. You just, yeah, do we really need a, do right, we really right. use the mid-level? I think now that they have to, COVID or not, like COVID cap, COVID salary cap or not, they're just going to have to use it. I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, next question. Let's get into the Discord a little bit. Shout Ooh. out Lightyear's Premium. Um, from Daniel, aside from Ibaka Gasol, which MLE big do you think Steph would like to play with the most? Do you I, think do you think Steph dislikes Aaron Baines for breaking his hand? Because I think that's probably the guy. <laughs> I don't think he does because I do think that was a freak play. Like, yeah. what are you gonna do? The dude fell on his right. hand. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a dirty play. <laughs> I guess my question for you is Aaron Baines or Derek Favors? Which do you think Steph would rather play with more? I think 
I mean, I, I think I would rather see Aaron Baines because he can make a three-point shot. I, I think Steph probably would too. I think Aaron Baines is just a better player. Uh, he he provides a little more because he can shoot a little bit more. He's also a little bit healthier than Derek Favors, right? I think that's probably someone Steph wants to play with. I, you know, Steph. I don't know if Steph. I mean, I think they preference. would. I think they would both. The, the Warriors would be happy with either because they're both objectively or Dwight, good players. Or Dwight. Yeah. How about I him? actually, yeah. Okay, those are the three best center options after Ibaka and Gasol. So um, I agree with you. I do think Baines would be the preferred one because he's the best screen setter of the bunch. Like I think for Steph and Clay, they just see a big dude who's willing to set a bazillion screens for them and get dirty on defense. They'd see some of the bogut vibes with him and they would be happy with that. Right. Um, I don't think they'd be unhappy with favors or Dwight in that perspective, but like, Baines of those options, Baines probably fits if they're not going to get a star big, the type of player they would want, right? I, w- I will also be curious to see how the Warriors change their offensive scheme. I, I don't. I, th- we thought that the that Steve Kerr would change the scheme a little bit the past season to to conform to to D'Lo. That obviously did not happen. So I'd be curious to see if they change it up a little bit. I think their normal offensive scheme is going to be fine. They'll be a top three offense top five at least right they'll be an elite offense easily but i i i wonder how much they do give the ball more to steph because because there's really not much uh unless even if you get josh richardson let's say the dream scenario is you get josh richardson with a traded player exception you get you get um you get aaron baines with the mle you know you get I mean, the little is not going to happen. I'm throwing that out. But like, let's say you get some decent guys with those contracts. It's you're still not you're still not running an offense that says like we don't need Steph to score 28 points a game. You still need right. him to score that much. So I wonder how much of that Steve Steve Kerr is going to change. I, I don't know. I actually don't think they're going to change too much. I think it, it'll be subtle. But um, okay, moving it forward. Uh. All right, from Daryl Mowry, one of my favorite names. Uh, for the next pod, what do you think the Warriors look like offensively and defensively with Anthony Edwards? Do they drop Clay to the three and let Edwards run the two as a secondary ISO scorer with the defensive potential? Obviously, he's an athletic freak and has the tools, but it's known to be a little bit of a space cadet on defense. All right, Anthony Edwards. Let's talk Anthony Edwards. This is my favorite scenario, by the way. I, I do think that the Warriors end up taking Anthony Edwards if they just stay put and draft at two and he's available. And it to me if Lamelo would, goes number one. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Or Wiseman, but I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. But or maybe somebody trades up for Wiseman. I don't know. But let's say the Edwards somehow ends up on the Warriors. I think this is the most this is the most right now entertaining scenario because you can still play Wiseman. I mean, sorry, you can still play Chris at the five, Looney at the five, and they'll get a they'll get a vet big. Edwards would be amazing off the bench, Sam. I think at least right now I see him as like a kind of a Zach Levine, maybe like a, a worse version because he's a he's a rookie. But can you imagine him off the bench on the on the bench with uh let's say Jeremy Lin? No, no, let's say Kent Bazemore, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Anthony Edwards. And Jordan Poole. And Jordan, um, I yeah. think that's a I think that's a fantastic um situation for Anthony Edwards. I think it's the best the situation for him because it'll force him to do the right things. Um, I, I, mean, I agree with you. to me. It's exciting. I agree, I agree with you because he can play that sixth man role where they don't have to hang. They don't have to count on him. But if he starts exceeding expectations, 
then they can start playing clay at the three next to him. I don't know. He has a lot of potential. Um, I think, I don't think him, Steph and clay is too small. I don't, I, uh, if it doesn't work, it's more because of a IQ thing than a lack of size. Cause he's huge. He's, he's maybe not tall, but he's six, four. So a six, nine wingspan. He's like 220 pounds built like a linebacker. Who are you really worried about a Steph Anthony Edwards backcourt? Like, what are you worried about that? He's basically, he's built like, he's built like Harden in many ways. Like, do you think Harden's issues are because he's undersized or is it because he's not interested? Right. I like this. I, okay. So I'm so excited. That's, that's, my, that's my point. He doesn't like, it's not about uh, his, he's not Isaiah Thomas is what I'm saying. He's not like five, nine, you know? Well, he's not, he's not DJ Augustine. Like I, he's put in a perfect situation where he doesn't at Georgia, you know, the little games that I watched of Anthony Edwards at Georgia, which I think was like two. Um, but a lot of the issues with him was that he was the only good player on that team. He was the right. only good player that could play against real college basketball teams. And, and he's the guy who has to score. He's the guy that has to handle. He has the guy that has to create. Like, you think Draymond Green is going to let Anthony Edwards dribble 18 times possession and then chuck up a contested 18-footer? <laughs> like, I, I, think, I think Draymond would probably kill him, you know, or kill himself or kill someone uh, if, if that were to happen. So I think it's a perfect scenario. I, I would take Anthony Edwards probably. I think the Warriors probably would too. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a perfect scenario for a guy that's like a um, – if you just want him to be a microwave score, just kind of, kind of like the uh, what does uh, what does Simmons say? Uh, the irrational confidence guy. I think that's that's the perfect starting situation for someone like Anthony Edwards. Um, and and I think like even with James Wiseman, it's perfect for him just to be at the five that only needs to rim run and and protect the rim. It's perfect for him, but I think it's a little bit easier for Anthony Edwards. Right, um, right. Especially yeah, God, bench guy. So he'd be my guy. He'd be fun, man. Like he he'd be great. I think. And and the Harden, I love I love how you compared him to Harden. I love that. Even if I mean physically, physical, physically, similar. yeah, yeah. So I, there's a lot more upside there versus someone like versus someone like Evdia or you know Devin Vassell is a good fit as a wing, but I think the upside there to score 20 points a game, 25 yeah, points I'm a game. Not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, at this point, I've talked myself in and out of everyone. So we have those Isaac Okor week. So maybe next week. Next or no premium Isaac Okora premium episode. Okay, they would love that. All right, from Nadim, question non draft related for the next pod. What is the biggest wow moment from both a Warriors player and opponent player while you were at a game at Oracle? Oh, you're gonna make me do this. Okay, you and I have gone to a lot of basketball games these last well for me the last five years for you for the last like i don't know 250 yeah yeah uh for me the last five years the greatest player moment it's probably game five 2016 Kyrie and uh Kyrie and lebron greatest opponent you're talking about player moment for both me. both warrior yeah. and opponent yeah it was probably that one uh my my favorite in-game moment was probably clay thompson uh 37 points in a quarter against sack it was one of those like surreal is kind of uh is kind of overused. It gets overthrown. Yeah. It gets overthrown, but you had to have seen that live to really understand what the hell happened. In in those by the way, he didn't score, I think, with about nine and a half minutes, nine, nine and a half minutes left. Yeah, it was, it was really thirty seven points in about eight minutes. Yeah. Producer Ben, it was like a religious experience. No, like it was it was for the first time in my career as a quote unquote reporter, I stood up. Uh, on on the on the media row and said, "Oh my god!" Like 
Clay Thompson was shooting the ball without looking at the rim with the ball like less than a quarter second in his hand. Like it was one of those things where I don't, I don't, I literally don't think that Clay knew what he was doing. All he knew was it was going to go in no matter what. He even had like an alley oop dunk. And yeah, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't falling through on his shot. Like I don't, like I think with Clay, he gets the most hot even more than Steph Curry. Like it's just, it's a ridiculous thing and for him to do that against it, it was like a random friday night too like it was a random friday night they were playing nick stauskas i remember that nick stauskas the great nick stauskas on the kings big like big like clay shoot like steph big like clay yeah it was uh that was the craziest moment I, i've seen as a uh from a warriors and there's like a lot of great moments i think okc game seven what steph did was incredible so um, I'm not talking about LeBron and Kyrie, but that's from a, from an opponent standpoint. I actually want to go back to there's, I've seen two LeBron game winners at Oracle and neither of them were during uh, the second Cleveland run. One was in Oh nine. I know what you're talking about. The second one. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the Oh nine one was hilarious to me because Steven Jackson hit a shot that he thought was going to win the game in his face. And Steven Jackson just was celebrating so hard. And then LeBron hits a turnaround and walks off the court afterwards. And I was just like, and this was a Warriors team that ended up, you know, losing to the point where they got Steph the following year. So it was the Oh eight Oh nine Warriors. They sucked. You know, when a team sucks and like randomly they get up for a game, it means a lot to you. Um, the other LeBron game winner was when he was in Miami over Iguodala. Yep. Fading to his left yep. from 26. Just such a terrible shot. <laughs> um, but my favorite is probably Amari Stoudemire baptizing Anthony Tolliver. I was there for the last two games, by the way. I was there for the LeBron game, but the Tolliver game was – I was there as a fan. I was pretty young. You remember yeah. Pretty, that was, what was that like? 2009, I think. Yeah. Wow, really? Really? Yeah. Well, so so it, it was one of those things where I it think... It was slow-mo. It was slow-mo. The best way to describe it is um, you saw Amari sizing him up as he crossed <laughs> half court, and you're like, uh-oh. It was... I, I mean, this is... It, it, you're. I don't know if you're going to see this at Chase because it was an old-school Oracle thing where the entire crowd yes. cheered because it was so vicious. Yeah. Yes. I was just going to... It was a, a Warriors, it was a peak Oracle moment because I remember standing up and going, oh my God. And I remember the next 30 seconds was the crowd was just going, they were buzzing. They were, they were damn near cheering and celebrating the Mari dunk because it was one of those things where you'll never see that again. You'll never, to me, it was like, Anthony Tolliver, what are you doing? You know, if I'm on the court, I'm running the other way. It's like, this is, this is Amari. This is, this Anthony is Tolliver might've been on a 10 day. <laughs> and, and he might have been wondering if he had a contract after it. By the way, shots to Andy Tolliver. He actually made a career. Yeah, uh, he, he played for another decade. Good for him. Um, but that was one of the craziest moments. I think I had like upper level, you know, I was I was me and me and God were pretty close. Uh, but that was uh <laughs> it, it was a great moment. That was a uh, it was Oracle at its best because what Oracle was great at um when when all the fans were there and going crazy was that they celebrated any type of good basketball play they were there and they knew the warriors were shit but they came to watch basketball and they celebrated good basketball and that was probably one of the best plays that you'll see in person ever nice. glad you brought okay. that up. we got a couple questions here all right so from bozo cronk how big a deal is it that the season is starting in december how big does it impact rookies will more 
will most rookies look even more lost or will the extra individual work help them? I think actually it's going to probably help them because I think a lot of NBA players are going to look, there's not going to be the same speed you see at a normal NBA season. There's going to be a lot of working your way into it. Like we made a joke about LeBron load managing, but I do think that'll be a thing for good teams. There's not going to be Denver is not going to be playing their hardest in the early season. And all that stuff probably benefits a rookie who has not played for nine months and is like desperate to just get some run. Like Anthony Edwards might get a experience that's a little different than a normal rookie. He might get a little chance to shine and get a little more confidence than a normal rookie who went through summer league and has to deal with everything does. Interesting. I'm surprised you're saying that because I would think the opposite, that if you're looking at someone like Anthony Edwards, who's, I don't know if the the Warriors are going to draft him because of his (laughs) IQ. Maybe. Sure. I don't think, you know, and the Warriors offensive system can be pretty complex in terms of what Anthony Edwards is built out to do. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play. And I don't know if Steve Kerr is going to say, all right, well, you don't know what you're doing out there. I'm going to throw you out there because you can score. Like, I think Steve Kerr is probably, he's like Greg Popovich where, well, if you run a couple plays wrong, if you miss a couple defensive assignments, you're getting benched. Right. And I think that's always an adjustment that I think he probably has to make where, I mean, you look at Patrick McCall or Jordan Bell. I always felt like Steve Kerr, just play those guys, let them make the mistakes and let them figure it out. But Steve Kerr never let them. And I mean, those guys probably weren't good enough anyway. Those guys were second round picks. But with Anthony Edwards, I think I'd be curious to see what Steve Kerr does because he's going to make some dumbass mistakes. And I would be curious to see if, if Steve Kerr is going to let him play through it. Um, but to your point, you know, against other teams, it's probably going to be fine, but I just don't know in the warrior system that he'll be ready to, to play the way that Steve Kerr wants. Absolutely. And his second question, if Bob has been one of the guys getting players to agree to deals early already, who do you think he's going after this early? Uh, <laughs> Well, I think we've said a couple of times that we think like Ken Bazemore is going to be signed. I think, I think Steph's boy. I don't, I think in terms of trades, like players that I think Warriors fans are going to care about. I don't think those are, I think Bob Myers might be going after them, but I don't know if those decisions are going to be made until right. like, yeah. Like, I don't think those things are really going to be. Oh, you don't think like, Milwaukee's already agreed to trade Giannis? Look, look. Sam, if if I were selling to you and you wanted the best deal possible for me and you knew my end of quarter or end of year was coming up at the end of November, would you buy it now or would you ask me again come Thanksgiving, Andy, what's your best deal? Fair enough. <laughs> so I think the Warriors are probably offering like, you know, maybe like some sh- really crappy picks or some really crappy offers. But I think, you know, three days before draft day, Bob Myers is probably coming up to these guys and saying, all right, well, here's my best offer. Right, like there's no way Bob Myers is offering his best stuff right now. So, so we'll, we'll see. I think you saw that with the uh, with the D'Lo and Andrew Wiggins. I think actually the Warriors really, really just wanted to get rid of D'Lo, and I think we didn't know that until really the, the, the day the trade deadline occurred, where I think Bob Myers just said, "Dude, I have to get rid of D'Lo." Like Blakeham told me to get rid of him. I have no choice. I'm not going to take more than a first round pick from Minnesota. Like, I think you and I thought that they were going to get at least two first-round picks. They got one, right? And I think that's just that's just what's going to happen because, because teams are going to wait for Bob Myers to say, all right, well, this is my best deal. I can't give you anything else, and that's not going to happen until, you know, whenever the draft is, three weeks, 23 days. So. 
Absolutely. I agree with you. This one's a fun one to end on. All right. From Thomas, question for the pod. How can a fan base continue to underrate Jimmy G's tosses and handoffs? Elite. I love joking about this, but (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) producer Ben, I'm cutting this. Jimmy G. Are the are the Niners underrating Jimmy G? I think hardcore Niners fans love Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's what happens when the standards are set so low because of the Niners quarterbacks that we've had in the last decade. Like there's just no Shout like yeah, Brian Cap, yeah, Cap was good, but like he wasn't MVP level. Neither is Jimmy G. But I think if you evaluate the quarterbacks on that level, I think Cap and Jimmy G, like in terms of impact, like, yeah, I would say Cap's probably a little bit better, but is he that much better than is he that much better than yeah is he that because i think jimmy g's floor he's had some bigger games but week to week probably not right like it's about i think jimmy g is the best at the niners got sam and i think that's the best that they will have this season next season i know there's a report that said the niners don't know what they're doing with with the quarterback next season but that's that's the best that they're going to get here for the next couple years so i think niners fans love jimmy garoppolo i think the problem is He's similar to Jared Goff. I was watching the Rams tonight. He's similar to Jared Goff where you put Jimmy Garoppolo in a good situation with a good game script, with a good coach, like he'll look great. But the moment with, with some weapons, he'll be fine. But the moment that you need him to, to be Patrick Mahomes, he's not. And he's not. Like there's just how many quarterbacks are like that? Like what's the difference between guys like Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff? I think he's better than Kirk Cousins. But like – there's he's like that he's like teetering on that brink where he's like a like an above average quarterback but he's just he's not going to win you a super bowl he's not and the niners probably should have won the super bowl last season but they went up against like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so what can you do yeah i mean a super bowl. i mean i think he's funny because <laughs> i mean they just have they have so many weapons and like he does his job and yep. they're trending in the right direction but it's like everyone wants to talk about the quarterback instead of talking about like i don't know uh, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, like that's a lot of. A lot Let me of ask you this. Pass. Let what? me ask you this: Is he better than Derek Carr? No. I, I don't know that he's worse though. I think it's the same. <laughs> I, I'd like. I. I don't know. I don't trust either of them. One of the, one of the, one of them is taking a sack, and the other one's throwing a pick. It's the same thing. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's it's like, it, it's look, man. You you it's okay. So let let's end it here. Warriors have Steph Curry. I'd rather have him than Derek Carr. Oh wow! Um, okay, okay. But like, well, let, I don't well, think either of them are moving the needle. The uh, the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the NFL are you know Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and you can even throw Steve Young up there as being one of the best, at least you know in his time. You look at the Warriors and, and Steph Curry's great, right? He's one of the greatest players of all time. He's maybe even the best point guard of all time. And then let's say the next guy that comes after Steph Curry is like a top Jordan eight. Jordan Garoppolo pool. Yeah, maybe like he's a top eight point guard in the uh, NBA. Yeah, of course Warriors fans are gonna and and by the way, they they get this guy after like five years of ineptitude, right? Like sure. the Warriors are just the Warriors are just trash, but they finally come up on this point guard. Let, let's say he's Jamal Murray, right? He's Jamal Murray. I think the Warriors fans are just probably gonna be happy with him. Like this is the best we got. Like we're not gonna get Steph Curry back. We're not gonna get Joe Montana back. So, you know what's wrong? What's wrong with Jamal Murray? What's wrong with uh, Kemba? Kemba Walker is probably a better comparison. What's wrong with Kemba Walker? Rajon Ronda. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we, did, we did win a couple championships. All right. We'll get out of here. We'll be back. YouTube live draft show November 18th. 
Bye, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.